Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place where we tease apart what it means to be a conscious parent and aren't afraid of getting super messy with it. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke, positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and in the trenches of the parenting journey with my own two teenagers. Each week, I come at you with a solo show or an interview. You can be sure that the guests on the podcast have something important to say, and I am honored to have you listen in as I pick their brains about what it is that they are passionate about. If you are a parent looking to grow while walking the path of parenting, if you're open to learning new things, if your relationship with yourself and your kids is something you are interested in diving deeper into, then this is the place for you. After you listen, I would love to hear from you. Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review, letting others know what you love about the show. Or feel free to shoot me an email at casey at joyfulcourage.com. I love hearing from listeners and I'm always quick to respond. If you want to be sure not to miss any of the happenings going on with Joyful Courage, join my list. You'll stay updated on the podcast and events that are happening for parents, both online and live. You can join the list at www.joyfulcourage.com slash join. Yay. So glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. I am so excited to welcome Sarah Dean to the Joyful Courage podcast. Sarah is the creator and host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, a top rated podcast with over 2 million, whoa, downloads. <laughs> nice job. Her biggest passion is helping women own their space. After enduring a long infertility journey and then a full blown identity crisis following the birth of her son, Sarah took her background in psychology, health, and wellness and rebuilt her identity one step at a time. Today, Sarah motivates and inspires women to stop shrinking and start growing in every aspect of their life. She is on a mission to inspire women and moms in particular to leave bigger, bolder, braver every damn day. <laughs> Sarah, yes. welcome to the podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited for this conversation. Can you fill in some of the gaps of your story to doing what you do? Yeah. So my previous pre-mom life was working in fitness. I owned a gym and went through a three-year infertility journey um, as a gym owner. And one of the gifts, I always like to focus on the gifts of infertility because when you're in it, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of gifts. But one of the gifts of our journey was that it gave me the time to build up my gym business to let it run without me once my son was born. And so I hired a team of trainers and really got the business pretty self-sufficient so that I could be a stay-at-home mom, which was like my lifelong dream. And then this baby was finally born and I did not love being a stay-at-home mom. It was really, really <laughs> hard and kind of soul-crushing. And um, mm -hmm. I had a really hard baby. I had a really, really hard time with nursing, which made, I mean, my baby was hungry all the time. So that's part of the reason he was a hard baby. But yeah. um, it was just a kind of a disaster um, in that first six months, especially. But that whole first year was just, didn't feel anything like I thought the dream would feel. Um and I was like, but this is exactly what I always said I wanted to build. Like I built the thing and the thing is not what I thought it was going to be. And so that was kind of where that identity crisis came in. And it took me until my son was about three to 
finally start to kind of get a grip on like, who am I going to be after becoming a mom? And one of the things that I really struggled with in that first year was I kept waiting for my life to quote unquote, go back to normal. And I was, and I, we had these, um, in the Seattle area, we have these groups called peps groups where you get to be with other families that had babies at the same time as you. And we would meet, we met 12 weeks in a row every Wednesday night, I think it was. And every Wednesday night I would say, I'm still mourning the the loss of my past life. Like I'm still like waiting for things to just go back to normal. And I really thought this baby would just be like something that would take up a little fraction of my life and everything else would stay the same. And I realized finally, like, oh wait, yeah, he's, he's the whole, I I like to say, like, I thought he would be a piece of the pie and everything else would stay the same. And I was like, oh no, he's like the whole pie is him. And there's like tiny slivers every now and then for other things, maybe. So that was a rude awakening. And it took me till he was about three to realize that um, I had built a business that wasn't really in alignment with my core values anymore. So I didn't want to be a gym owner helping women lose weight after I became a mom because I felt like that really disempowered women to have weight loss be a primary goal for their entire lives as it is for many women. And um, I wanted to be talking more about motherhood and the implications of motherhood that people don't talk about. So I started my podcast, The Shameless Mom Academy, and decided to sell my gym. And now here we are. <laughs> so yeah, I sold the gym, built a business around the podcast, and now I'm full-time in the podcast in the Shameless Mom Academy. And it's been really, really amazing. Well, and I just think it's so interesting how we have this vision of what motherhood will mean, of what it's going to be like, like even nursing, you know, I mean, I was, a, I'm a super, I was like a super power breastfeed mama. And with my daughter, you know, first it was like a solid five days of only colostrum. So the girl was starving, just like you're saying, like she yeah. was starving. We went to the pediatrician. Pediatrician was like, well, here, take on the six pack of formula. And I was like, no. <laughs> and my husband was like, babe she's really hungry. And I was like, I'm not touching the formula. And oh so Ben gosh. would like wake up in the middle of the night and he would give her an entire bottle and she would guzzle oh. that stuff down. Right. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. Nipple confusion. Like I was so hell bent on it looking a certain way. And then of course my milk, well, not of course, but for me, my milk did come in and with a vengeance Mm. and I had plenty and her latch was fine. There was no nipple confusion. There was no like, but that fear that I had at the very beginning, like, no, we can't do that because then we won't, it won't be the way I thought it would be. And then, yeah. And like not wanting that I, for me, I didn't want to leave the house for a long time. And I mean, it was, and now having teenagers, I'm like, holy shit. I don't know if I would have been on board. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's if just never that memo. If you'd gotten the teenager memo, <laughs> oh my gosh, everyone! Sorry, spoiler alert. It's really hard. Um, but you know, we don't realize that we have narratives that we're holding on to until the narrative that we're holding on to is not what is playing out in front of us, right? Right, right. Yeah, I and I went through so, a lot of similar things with 
my ideas around nursing. And basically like my son was falling off the growth chart and pretty much borderline failure to thrive. And we had to go, and I was like, well, let's get a second opinion. Like, let's just make sure he's really almost failure to thrive before I consider formula. And I remember we went to get a second opinion and the doctor was like, "Um, I need you to know that this baby needs food right now. This isn't an opinion. This is a fact. Yeah. And now he's thriving. How old is your son? So he's seven now. Yes. So seven years old, he's no longer hungry. Oh, good. (laughs) Yeah. He eats food. Right, right. got him off the formula. Yeah, we got him off the formula. You are a coach too, right? So you've become a coach in this whole Mm -hmm. process. Tell me a little bit about, so you started the podcast and, you know, wanted to have these conversations. Tell me about where, like, how did you get into coaching? Yeah. So I, um, so I had been in the fitness industry for many years prior to being in the Mm -hmm. fitness industry. I worked with kids in a psychiatric hospital. So I have this background. My education is in sociology and psychology. And Mm -hmm. then I worked in the fitness industry with women, um, for 15 years. So when I got to the tail end of my fitness journey, I, um, I was really aware that I wanted to be coaching women, but in a different way, like having different conversations. And I, one of the things that was so glaring to me was women would come in. I mostly had moms as members in my gym and they would come in and they would talk about like, well, I really want to work on like losing my belly fat and like this jiggle over here and these dimples here and the cellulite and all these things. And they talked about their bodies in such sad ways and their the way that they saw their bodies were, it was um, like they were tortured by the skin that they were in. Mm -hmm. And I realized over time that I wanted to be having conversations about around helping women take up space rather than Mm -hmm. always trying to shrink in the space they existed in. Mm -hmm. And I saw this happening in so many different ways. So I saw it happening in my gym in terms of women being really self-conscious about specific body parts, but I also saw it happening in the way that women enter conversations, the way that women do or don't speak up in the workplace, the way that when, you know, if someone holds the door open for a woman, instead of walking through and saying, thank you, she'll say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And like hustle through and just try to be like as small as possible because someone was kind to hold open a door. And so I started recognizing that I wanted to be having these conversations and really supporting women as they learn to take up space and find their power and use their voice and all these different things. And so I took that background of having worked in psych, sociology, health and wellness for all those years and started just working on transformation and accountability coaching, which has evolved into business coaching and, you know, coaching on a few different levels now. And I do a lot of, um, so I do mindset coaching in my membership community. And then I do leadership and business coaching in my mastermind community. And so it's, allowed me to find different ways to support women as they want to set goals that are outside of just changing their physical body. And if they want to change their physical body on top of that, like fine, that's great. But that's not, I'm never going to lead a woman's journey with a weight loss goal. I'm not going to ever support that. Um, And for so many women, that is the opposite of their entire existence. And so that's been really cool to be like, we're not going to start this conversation with you setting a weight loss goal. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too, because I think it's similar to parent coaching, you know, parents come and they're like, here's all the things that are wrong with my child. I need coaching. And, you know, similar with like, well, here's all the weight, here's the body parts I don't like, 
coach me to get rid of this when Mm -hmm. like, it's such an inside job, you know, it's not about the body. It's not about the weight loss. It's not about the kid. It's not about the sibling fighting. It's really about how are we showing up in our relationship, whether it's our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with our kids, you know, our relationship with the world. I just, I love that conversation. It's so fascinating to me. And it's so powerful because if results are measured by, you know, these external things, then it feels, it's pretty disempowering. But yes, yeah. When, yeah, when we can recognize that how we feel, you know, our confidence, you know, how we go, you know, for parent coaching, like going to bed at night and knowing that you showed up well versus, I mean, granted, it's really nice when our kids aren't a pain in the ass, but <laughs> when, when they are, and we can show up in a way that maintains relationship and makes us feel good about ourselves, you know, that's the biggest win. Right. 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 Yeah. And it's really interesting that so I just in the last year added in this new program, my new mastermind program called Tenacious Mamas, and it's my leadership um, mastermind. And when women first got started in it, they're <laughs> like, they got let in on this secret. So we had a couple of calls and we were talking about conversations around like, you know, being the CEO of your life and what does that mean? And so some of these women own their own businesses. Some of them are working on um, moving up in leadership roles in corporate jobs mm-hmm. and we got into, you know, our third or so call and people, all of them were like, hold on a minute. This podcast is sponsored by Factor. Are you old enough to remember TV dinners? They came in those tin trays and each part of the meal had its own little compartment. I remember eating those and watching Happy Days followed by Three's Company, maybe a little Laverne and Shirley. I am that old. Well, the situation has been totally upgraded by Factor. Factor makes delicious, ready-to-eat meals. And unlike those quick meals of the past, every meal from Factor is fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including meals that are calorie smart, protein plus, and keto if that's your thing. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. In my last order, we got red chicken chili, tamale bowls, and Italian sausage pizza casserole, as well as other delicious meals that my family loved. Plus there's breakfast and smoothies and all sorts of other add-ons to make life simpler while also keeping it healthy. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Right now, head to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use code joyful50 to get 50% off. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50 to get 50% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. 
I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. So is basically all of this about mindset. <laughs> like they're like, is there not a formula where you can just be like, do these three steps and then you can own a seven figure business or be a CEO or what? And I was like, yeah, no, it's all, it's all mindset. So I don't really care. Like your goal could be to parent your teenager or lose 30 pounds or become the CEO. But the foundation of what you need is all around mindset and belief that you can do it, that you are qualified, that you are worthy and especially moms do not feel qualified and worthy. We often feel like we have gaps in our resume, whether it's Mm -hmm. our professional resume, our personal resume, like whatever your resume means to you. Instead of looking at all the ways we are actually more qualified than the average person, we look at ways that we are less qualified, where we deem ourselves to be less qualified. And so, yeah, it's, it's all mindset for all the things. And so, I mean, whether it's parenting, health, wellness, leadership, all of it. It's, it's really about mindset. And so that's been, it was funny when my group brought this up, I was like, yeah, so that's the million dollar secret. (laughs) Like I can tell you three steps to go build a successful business, but if you don't have the mindset to back it up, it's not going to work. Just like I can tell you three steps to lose 30 pounds, but if you don't have the mindset to back it up, it's not going to work. Totally. <laughs> the same yeah, thing yeah, with yeah. parenting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. About three weeks into the positive discipline classes, the parents say, oh, this is about me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Spoiler. I don't put that on the flyers because no one would come. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally. So, totally. As I was researching and prepping for this interview, I was on your website and you had shared that you have some pillars that you coach women around when you work with them in the varying degrees that you do. And I would just love to spend our time kind of teasing apart these pillars. Are you cool with that? Yeah, totally. Okay, good. So number one on your list is that perfect sucks, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> lovely yeah, to have permission does. to say that because it's yeah. also unattainable. Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk about that. Yeah. So perfect sucks and perfect is paralyzing. And I work with a lot of women, a lot of moms who would identify as being high achiever, type A control freak kind of Mm -hmm. women. Um, I also would put myself in that category. And so what happens when you are that awesome kind of person is that you can get really stuck in procrastination and perfectionism. And so procrastination is a form of perfectionism. You put off making choices and doing things because you are afraid of being imperfect or not making the right decision or the best decision. And all of that can be really, really crippling um, and keep us really stuck. And so um, I would say this is where I was in those few years between my son being like zero and three, where I was like, okay, this business I built is not feeling right anymore, but I also don't know what to do next. And I'm terrified. Like there's a thing called a podcast. I could start one, but what do I even do with that? And what makes me qualified? And so 
what I had to do was give myself permission to just go try and to have no expectations around it and to let it be like just a fun little hobby that I was going to practice. And so I really push women to take imperfect action every single day. Because if you take imperfect action and only, you know, get 40% toward a goal and you do that over and over and over, you're still going to have this massive upward trend toward growth and progress. If you are always aiming for 100%, you will go nowhere because first of all, you're not going to ever launch, build, grow the thing. And second of all, when you do, it's you will have used up so much time and energy that you won't have the step for the next thing. And so mm. when you get stuck in that perfectionism, your action steps and your growth is very stunted and your growth spurts are minimal. There's not very many of them because you always are waiting for things to be perfect before you go to the next thing. If you give yourself permission to take imperfect action all the time, you're always growing. Even if you completely mess up and miss the mark and fall flat on your face, you yeah. still learn from that and you get to keep going and the trend will still be an upward trend. And so, um, yeah. and there's momentum with that. And the momentum piece is really important. If you're in perfectionism, there's no momentum. So it all feels really hard and really slow and like, like you're stuck in molasses with every step. Yeah. Um, I love that. Can I put it in the context of parenting? Yeah. Yeah. Because what I see also is a lot of people who get really excited about positive discipline, positive parenting, gentle parenting, whatever label you want to put on it, right? The the style of parenting that isn't what we were raised with, basically. And it makes sense and it feels good to read the blogs and listen to the people talk about it. And then real life happens and we're confronted by our kids. And because it's not a familiar, it might not be a familiar way of being, we slide into what we know, which can sound harsh or, you know, overly firm. And then we feel, and this is where my perfectionist clients get really hung up because then they feel like a failure. Like I cannot stand the phrase mom fail. I don't Mm. think there's, you know, I think that it's so um, disempowering and because even when, and like what you're talking about, those small steps, and even when you try and it doesn't work out, It's still momentum because, and this is what I say to the people that I work with, showing up, you know, in a way that you later feel like, I could have handled that better. The fact that you realize you could have handled it better is a step forward. Totally. totally. Right. And then getting caught up in, I can't do this. This isn't for me. I'm a failure. I'm a bad mom. Like that's where perfectionist has clouded the vision right? And made it so there's this unattainable, like, oh, you read the blog and now you should be able to handle every situation that comes up with ease and grace and love. And guess what? We are freaking humans and our people are humans and they throw all sorts of stuff at us and we have conditioning and there's just, you know, give yourself a break. Give yourself a break. (laughs) Totally. Um, Are you familiar with Brooke Castillo? I know the name. Yes. So Brooke Castillo coaches, trains life coaches. um, And she has a podcast called the life coach school. She's brilliant, but she talks about doing B minus work. And Uh I love this. And for someone who like, I'm a person who like, if I ever got an 80% on a test, I mean, you may as well give me a zero. Like I just B minus work is like not, I was the person who was always begging for extra credit in school. So B minus work is not something that is like, super comfortable for me. And also I can tell you that if I hadn't gotten comfortable with B minus work at a certain point in my life, 
I wouldn't have been able to make a living building mm-hmm. either of, I built now yeah. three businesses and I wouldn't have been able to make money. And this became glaring the, my first blog that I had. And I remember spending hours and hours and hours and sending posts to my mom to be like, Hey, can you edit this for typos after having edited it like five times myself? And then thinking, how am I supposed to do this three times a week? How am I supposed to get up three posts a week? Mm -hmm. If I'm so worried that I might've used the wrong version of there, there, or there, you know? Um, Oh, well, you don't want to do that, Sarah. I know. And so I had to really get (laughs) comfortable. Right. right. (laughs) Um, And then my mom, who's also a perfectionist, she'd be like, well, I need to look up the use of a comma in this sentence. I mean, between the two of us, like, it was awful. And so one of the things that I actually put conscientious thought to when I was getting ready to launch a podcast, I was like, so should I go back and build a blog, um, like a blog around motherhood or a podcast? And I immediately was like, I can't do the blog because I know myself well enough to know that I will get crippled in the details and I don't have time Mm -hmm. for that BS. So I have to do the podcast because I can hit record. I don't care if I fumble. I can make a joke about it and I can move on with my day. And so I knew for me doing B minus work was doing a podcast instead of a blog because I could comfortably show up more imperfectly there and there, and then I could produce more and have more fun with it and like all these other things. So I love that concept for anyone who wants to steal it. It's not mine, but I encourage moms, especially to really push themselves to do B minus work on a conscientious level. Yeah. And it's, and just side note, it's okay for your kids to do B minus work too. Yes. Okay. That's totally. my PSA. Totally. Um, okay. So what about, I'm going to move on to the second pillar that you talk about, which is routine is everything. And of course, mm-hmm. as a parent coach, I talk a lot about routine mm-hmm. as far as, you know, systems and ways of keeping everything moving in the home. How do you, what's the context that you use routine when you work with clients? So there's a couple pieces to this. I use routine for myself because I manage anxiety sometimes on a very high level every single day. And so for me, routine makes me feel at ease and sane and like I can be the control freak that I need to be. And so that's how it's shown up for me. But, and I work with a lot of clients who are similar and appreciate that. And then I also work with clients who are like, I'm not really a structure person. And to that, I say, you're doing yourself and your family, your kids a disservice because, and I'm sure you talk about this all the time in parenting, kids thrive on structure and predictability. Mm -hmm. And so even if you're not quote unquote, a structure person, you need to push yourself to build some of that in and there comes a piece with that. There also becomes a new level of efficiency and effectiveness with routines. And I think that there is a momentum that comes with routine and a, um, that creates space for growth. That's really, really important. And so I think that if you're someone who kind of prides yourself on not being a structure person, um, I would encourage you to look at the gifts structure could bring, because I know I have people, I have moms who I've worked with who have brought structure in, in different ways. And they're like, Oh, this actually is giving me a huge sense of relief. This is actually Mm -hmm. creating mental freedom for me. And so if you can create mental freedom in motherhood, I mean, when you wear 18 million hats in a day, mental freedom is everything. And that's what structure and routine brings to you. Yes. I love that. Absolutely. A hundred percent freedom within structure. And so funny those, you know, I love you all, all you spontaneous. I just fly by the seat of my pants, people like, okay, you do you. (laughs) 
<laughs> what might happen with a little bit of structure? Oh my gosh. I'm like, so the opposite. I'm like, can <laughs> I, maybe I can get up even earlier. Like I get up at 5.30 now, but I'm like, if I got oh up at 4.30, then I would have even more time to plan my day. <laughs> I've been trying to get up at seven and coming off of the break and my teenager sleeping in, I'm like, uh. Oh, gosh, I, I mean, I don't enjoy the getting out of bed part, but to have a big chunk of time in the morning by myself is like, oh, yeah. oh it's so it's dreamy. Yes. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. <laughs> All right. It's okay to cry. Talk yes. to me about this pillar often, actually. Yes. So I think, and I mean, you could use cry literally or figuratively. Um, I think that we try to keep things buttoned up for a real long time <laughs> as women and moms. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I can't, so I'm a very emotional person and I'm married to someone who is not, I was actually just talking about this last night on a group coaching call. I was saying how, you know, my emotions, like I feel everything very extremely. So I cry easily when I'm happy, sad, anything in between. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel if I'm frustrated, I'm like very frustrated. If I'm excited or joyful, I'm very excited and joyful. My husband, so I don't live in the middle. I don't live in this middle place of like, everything's fine. I'm just never there. I'm always like at an extreme. My We're husband, so the same. We're so the same, Sarah. It's so funny. I love it. My husband lives right in the middle. He's like, it's good. It's fine. Like, I mean, I remember we were about to go on a really big trip and I was so excited and I was like, oh my gosh, can you, can you believe we're doing this? Like this has been, you know, we've been planning this for a year. And he's like, he's like, no, yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's going to be great. I was like climbing out of my skin. I was so excited. And he was just like, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a like, I don't understand. More, right. So I'm, I'm always in awe of his ability to just be like, cool, fine, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. but so what I think, when I think about it's okay to cry, I think that we need to give ourselves permission to feel in big ways and to be vulnerable with those feelings. And that doesn't mean that you sit in the workplace and cry all the time, but it means that you can show up with vulnerability and you can show up with emotion and you can share that with other people. And so sometimes that might be going to a family member or close friend and being like, Hey, I'm really having a hard time. Sometimes it might be going to your boss and standing up for yourself or standing up for something that you see in the workplace um, and being like, this is not okay. This is not cool. This is not going to fly or, you know, for these different reasons. So I think that, you know, when I think of it's okay to cry, I think it can mean all of those things. I also think that it can just be okay in private I mean, not that it only needs to be in private moments, but it can be okay to have moments to yourself in a day where you're just like, mama needs to take a minute. Um, And I've had moments I had, um, I remember about a year ago, I had this Monday that was just like relentless. A bunch of things went wrong. I know it was more than a year ago since when I still had the gym, but I had the podcast. I was kind of burning the candle at both ends, managing both of the businesses. And on a a Monday, I had like three trainers call in sick for the next day. And then like something went wrong with the podcast my husband was getting, picking up Vinny from school. And so I needed to get dinner ready. And I remember standing in the middle of my kitchen being like, everything is falling apart at one time. And like, what WTF, like there, what is there, is this the universe trying to teach me something what's happening? And so I had to find band-aids for all of these solutions in a really quick amount of time and then get dinner on the table. And I remember being in the middle of my kitchen, feeling so angry and defeated and resentful that like, this is my life right now. 
and thinking like you have to find a lesson in this or you can't move on from it. Like you will just, it will ruin your day. You won't sleep well. And so I gave myself like an hour. I was like, you are going to be super pissed for an hour while you make dinner and you're going to be annoyed with your trainers and you're going to be annoyed with the podcast, like all the things. And then you're going to find a lesson. And by the end of that hour, I was like, okay, now I get it. And this was when one part of the sale of the gym had kind of gone awry And I was at this point where I was like, I could choose to pull the sale right now and wait for a better offer because this offer is kind of blowing up on me. And I thought, no, this is the universe telling me you need to be done with this now. Mm -hmm. That you are spending your family time trying to find subs for trainers tomorrow. This is the universe screaming that you need to sell this as fast as possible because you can't feel like this the next time you make dinner on a Monday night. And so that was the gift for that. Like I had to let myself sit in the kitchen and cry, be super frustrated and then be like, okay, and now what's the lesson? Here's what it is. And now I'm going to move on. And so I think that when we give ourselves that time to cry in literal or figurative ways, that there's tremendous value that comes out of it and that we learn to listen to ourselves. And that's really important because I think that's a whole other thing that women and moms don't do is we don't listen to ourselves. We don't pay attention to our intuition because we've had to prioritize our kids in many ways since you know, the minute yeah. they were having nipple confusion at, at five days old. Or maybe they weren't. And you were just totally freaked out. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Well, and I think that what I'm hearing you talk about too here is to feel like to feel your feelings and to validate, like validate feeling the way that you feel. And, you know, and, and regardless, and I just want to like connect with the listeners out there, like you don't need to be navigating two businesses and, you know, things, it it can show up in so many different ways, right? I know for me, anyone that's listened through the fall knows that I've had a really challenging season of parenting with one of my teens and just allowing myself to sit with uncertainty, being with discomfort. I had somebody text me, one of my former clients texted me this morning and she was like, I just want to point out that you've become a master of sitting in discomfort. Mm-hmm. And you know, my initial thought is like, don't call me a master of anything. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, like, mm, I'm getting pretty masterful at being with discomfort. And I think yeah. the more that we can allow space for that without, you know, diving into the black hole of like wallow, poor me victimhood, right? Because what I heard you say is I allowed myself to be with what was coming up for me. And the allowance, I think, when we allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling, creates a little bit of space so that we can start to recognize the lessons. And maybe it's not after an hour, maybe it's a couple days later, or maybe it's, you know, I'm guessing that the lessons of last fall will show up at some point for me. But I have faith that there's a bigger picture happening for my, one of my kids that will be revealed when it's meant to be revealed. And I get to be in loving relationship with her and as supportive as possible. And, you know, just make sure that her physical and mental health are being taken care of. But yeah. yeah. And you know what, everyone, if you don't have a person to talk about these things with, get a therapist, please. Oh my gosh. Get a therapist, everyone. Yes. Yes. And know that these things are qualifying you for the next thing. Yes. And in the moment, that might not give you a lot of peace of mind. You might be like, I don't need to be more qualified for more things that are harder than this. (laughs) But but there will be something that happens in 10 years. You'll be like, I'm so glad I went through that because now I'm more qualified for this. 
Yeah, um, absolutely. And absolutely. I think that, well, even for me, like one of the, like one of the lessons that is appearing is, you know, I can work with parents of teenagers who come to me with challenges and I can say to them, I get it totally. from a place of actual experience and not just projecting. I imagine to know what it must feel like for you, but really like, no. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Yes. I know what yes. this feels that's like. That's a huge gift. And, and that's I'm, not, I'm not saying that like you wanted that to happen. And that might not be not comforting. Really. I didn't know that I wanted that to happen. <laughs> but now that you have your PhD in parenting teens, I mean, that is yeah. a gift. <laughs> teens gone rogue 101, sign up. <laughs> <laughs> results may vary. Um, <laughs> so, okay, moving on, moving on, because I'm looking at the time, of course. So listeners, I was on Sarah's podcast too. She interviewed me and we had the same yes. situation where we could just talk for a million hours. Oh, so good. Okay. Gratitude and attitude. I'm excited for this one. Makes all the difference. Talk about that. Yes. So I am someone who has kind of found it like, super cheesy when people are like, you know, get out your gratitude journal, practice your affirmations and your visualizations. Um, but I also have put some of those things to the test and found that they do actually work, even though I didn't yeah. really want them to. So I don't, are They're you amazing. Familiar? I love yeah. it. I'm are you familiar? Yes. Um, are you familiar with the miracle morning by, t- or by uh, yes. Hal Elrod? So I read his book for those of not familiar, it's a morning practice book. Um, 
that involves six different things, six different routines that you do every morning that take an hour. And, and I read the book and the book is super compelling. A lot of routines. I'm not going to lie. Yes. And the book is really compelling. So as you're reading it, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to totally do this. Like I'm going to get up every morning and I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes and visualize for 10 minutes. And what were the other exercise for 10 minutes, read for 10 minutes, journal for like all the things. Okay. So I did a few months of this and I was like, this is so many things. And the things that really got me were the visualization and the affirmations. I was like, I feel like a nut, like this Mm -hmm. doesn't feel good the affirmations that he recommended felt so cheesy. And then he was like, you need to read them out loud. So I'm like sitting in my basement, like, please do not let my husband get up and hear me saying this out loud. This is so cheesy. So I abandoned some of that practice. I actually continued to integrate some of it, the parts that felt good, but the, the parts that felt really hard, I treated a little bit like yoga. So for those of you who've done yoga, they always say, you know, the poses that feel the worst are the ones you need the most, which always makes me want to punch someone. Uh. So I've kind of treated the miracle morning process like that. I don't do the whole hour long process like Hal recommends, but I've looked at like, okay, if these affirmations are the things that make me the most uncomfortable, I probably need to look at them from a different angle and try to work through them. So I've gone back to integrating affirmations and gratitude and these kinds of things on a routine basis. And it has made a really big difference. So when it comes to gratitude specifically, I think that the value of that is how it can allow you to be nimble in your mind. And I think there's, this is just such an important and significant life skill. And I use it all the time in motherhood. And I also see having a partner who isn't as quite as woo-woo as me and doesn't really embrace a gratitude practice. He's not as nimble of mind. Sometimes I'm like, "Hmm, maybe you could be a little more nimble in your mind. (laughs) So there's times when we will feel like, you know, a million things are going wrong on a day of parenting. And I can still be like, well, I'm so glad we get to cuddle on the couch or whatever. And he'll be like, what is the point of it all? You know, like, I mean, that's when his actual emotions do come out. <laughs> He's like, I, this isn't how I expected this day to go. And now it's all ruined. And, and I'm like, let's, you know, just take it for what it is. And we're going to, instead of, instead of going and doing this fun thing that we thought we were going to do, because the day has fallen apart on us with this child who's in the middle of a meltdown, we're going to now stay at home and put on our pajamas and go to bed early. And that's going to feel good for mm-hmm. everyone. So this nimbleness around being able to find gratitude in hard moments and hard yes. phases of life, I think really, really pulls you through when times get trying. And I've seen myself be able to really embrace that. And again, as someone who manages anxiety, it also really helps me end cap my day to be able to, you know, I used to lay down in bed at night and immediately start thinking about like, oh crap, I have all these things to do tomorrow. And now I lay down and I just exhale with like, I'm so glad that this happened and this happened and this happened. And it's this automatic um, uh, impulse that I have now to start running through my list of, oh, that time that Vinny laughed this morning. And when he read his first you know chapter out of this book and when I had that great conversation for the podcast and like all these things. And that now is my like a reflex to me. Mm -hmm. And now I can go to sleep at night. Whereas I, for years of my life, spent hours trying to go to sleep and manage anxiety and overcome anxiety and sleeplessness. And so it has worked really well for me. And it's also become something that is very much an impulse versus a like, now I have to think of something to be grateful for. And it doesn't feel hard. It feels, again, there's a nimbleness to it of like, oh yeah, this is what we do right now. (laughs) Okay. So prior to the nimbleness, and prior to it being a reflex, what can you just share with the listeners? What were some of your first baby steps towards that end cap? 
of gratitude at bedtime? Um, so it was really catching myself in tiny moments of joy. And so, and it was, and I conscientiously started looking at this in terms of like different senses. And so, um, rather than looking at a gratitude practice around, like, I'm so grateful for, to have a roof over my head and have good health, which obviously grateful for those things. Sure. But rather than looking at those big things, looking at really tiny things like, oh my God, I mean, we're in Seattle where the sun doesn't shine very often, especially this time of year. And on a sunny moment, in a sunny moment to be able to walk outside and feel like, oh my gosh, I just felt that sun hit my arm. That mm. felt so good. Um, lighting a candle and f- that first whiff of a scent, like, oh my gosh, I love that. Or this time of year when the shower, when the hot water hits me in the shower. So like little sensory experiences, um, putting up, (laughs) I did not frame a child, a photo of my child for like four years. And I put photos up of him in my office. You were in denial that he was the pie. (laughs) (laughs) So I finally put photos up and I was like, oh my gosh, this is bringing me so much joy to turn my head to the left of my desk and see six cute little pictures of him in frames. I mean, this brought me literally like a full year of joy. Mm. And so catching those moments where I was like, oh, that felt really good. So that's really where it started for me was catching those tiny little moments and then getting better at remembering them later in the day. Right, um, right. But it really started with catching things as they happen or making things happen, recognizing like, I'm feeling like I'm really grinding at the computer right now. So I'm going to step outside into the sun. I actually made a rule for myself two or three summers ago. If it's sunny out, you will go for at least a 10 minute walk in the sun. Because then I got to like schedule in, this is something that feels really good. And I'm going to go get 10 minutes of sun on my body. Um, so I started creating experiences also to be conscientiously, uh, I called them joy hits, but to get those joy hits, like I'm conscientiously going to light this candle so that I can get that first whiff or go on the walk and get that sun. All right. And the final one, which I think we kind of covered with the, it's okay to cry, but suffering in silence is the most Mm. surefire way to destroy yourself. Those are some aggressive words, Sarah. (laughs) I told you I live in extremes. (laughs) So I think that we moms, women and moms, we do suffer in silence. um, And we think that we, we think we're not relatable. We think that our stories are only our own. And there's an exercise I do. So I have an event um, called Shameless Mom Con. And there's this exercise that I do that really shows like how many women have been impacted by abuse, by rape, by addiction, by infertility, by eating disorders, all these different things. And there's all these things in our minds that we think make us not good enough, not relatable, not worthy. And we constantly use those as a frame of reference when we go to um, make choices in our lives, whether it's going for a promotion or you know, asking a mom to go to get a drink or coffee with you to like make a new mom friend. We run through this crazy filter of like, oh, well, I don't know. You know, I went through that bad situation 20 years ago. So this mom might not want to be my friend. And when I say that out loud, that sounds pretty ridiculous, but we have these subconscious thoughts. And so I think that we need to be really conscientious that the things that we think need to isolate us or that we think we need to like keep behind lock and key because people will think we're not relatable are actually exactly the things that we need to be sharing with other people. Exactly the things that do make us relatable. Because even if I haven't had the same trauma as you, the fact that you have had trauma and you've opened yourself up to sharing it with me will allow me to then share my trauma. And we've all had trauma on different, different ways and levels. And so um, I think that's what allows us to connect with our partners, with our friends. It allows us to build new relationships um, that we would have never otherwise built. And I think that that is, can be life-giving and life-saving for some moms. 
Mm, yes. I love that. I'm really feeling pulled to ask about Shameless MomCon, but I'm not going to do it right now. I'm going to do that <laughs> offline because <laughs> we don't have very much time. And I want to ask you my final question, which yes. is in the context of being a shameless mom, what does joyful courage mean to you, Sarah? So for me, joyful courage means finding joy in being uncomfortable. So I think Mm. about courage around like embracing discomfort and intentionally doing uncomfortable things. That for me is how I frame courage for myself. Um, Last year, I made myself take up skiing, even though I'm terrified of heights and chairlifts and speed. And I think that chairlifts are like death traps, but I made myself take up skiing because we wanted my son to ski. And so I learned how to ski and it took a ton of courage, pretty much didn't want to do it at all ever. Um, every time I went up to the mountain, but I also got up there every week and was like, Oh my gosh, look how beautiful it is up here. There was so many rewards from it. And I also had not pushed my body as someone who's been in fitness for many years. I hadn't pushed my body in a new physical endeavor in a really long time. And I forgot how rewarding that was to find strength in something physical, um, something new that was physical. And so there was just all of these rewards that came out of it that I did not expect that had nothing to do with like actually skiing down the mountain that became kind of like, Oh, cool. And I also get to ski down the mountain on top of all these other things. So, um, yeah. So I would say finding the rewards in discomfort and then seeking that and then moving forward, seeking more discomfort, which I'm like constantly seeking discomfort. Well, apparently I'm the master of discomfort. So (laughs) we can do a podcast about that. (laughs) Where can listeners find you and follow your work? So you can find me, um, any podcast, any place you listen to podcasts, you can just look up the Shameless Mom Academy and then you can go to shamelessmom.com to find more about what we're doing. We have Shameless Mom Con coming up at the end of March in Seattle, which is going to be super amazing, um, which is a three-day conference for moms. And um, yeah, and we have a Facebook group. So there's like 2,800 moms from all over the world. If you go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook, Um, And there's a private Facebook group for shameless moms, which is also a really powerful place to connect with mamas. Awesome. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me, Sarah. It was so great. Thank you. Thank you, Casey. Joyful Courage community, you are amazing. Big thanks and love to my team, including producer Chris Mann at Podshaper. Please be sure to join in the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. You can view the current Joyful Courage programs and my coaching offers over at the webpage. Simply head to www.joyfulcourage.com to find more support for your conscious parenting journey. If you want to give back to the show, and I really hope you do, become a patron. Click donate on the website to give back to the show that gives you so much. Any comments or feedback about this episode or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. Reach out. Take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat, and trust that everything is going to be okay. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? 
This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.